This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. You're listening to Be Kind Rewind with Tim Nidell, taking you back to when movies were actually good. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? When music wasn't auto-tuned. When TV only had a few channels. And now, here's your host, Tim Nidell. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Be Kind Rewind with Tim Nidell. That's me. And uh, if you're watching the video of this, I just waved at you. And if you're listening, I still waved, but you can't see it. <laughs> yeah, there's many ways to uh, enjoy this podcast and the other podcasts on this channel. There is a YouTube channel. It's the Phoenix Media Pop Culture Entertainment Channel. Uh, just type that in, YouTube, and you'll find it. You can watch this video and many other videos that they have to offer on there. But if you're fine with just audio, then why stop doing this audio? I don't care how you enjoy the podcast as long as you're enjoying it, you know? I'm also going to be featuring this interview on my personal YouTube channel. Just type in Tim Nidell. That's N-Y-D-E-L-L. So make sure to give it a like and subscribe. I'd really appreciate it. And uh, while you're on the interweb, make sure to check out my personal website, timnidell.com. Follow me on Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube, like I said. I've even got merch on there because I'm a loser. I got my own merch, and I'm wearing my own merch because I'm a bigger loser. It says Nidell. It's very cool. Trust me. (laughs) So check that out, timnidell.com. I'd really appreciate it. And for this episode, I'm taking you all the way back. I just said all. I think I just said all. I'm taking you guys all the way back to the 80s, quite possibly my favorite decade of all time, because I have the very talented Catherine Mary Stewart on the podcast today. And of course, you know her from Night of the Comet, which is easily one of my all-time favorite, you know, guilty pleasures out there. Um, she's also on Last Starfighter, classic, classic movie from the 80s. And she was on Weekend at Bernie's, another classic from the 90s. And we talk about all that and more. And by more, I mean Knight Rider because she did an episode of Knight Rider and uh, that show was awesome. So uh, anyways, here is my interview with Catherine Mary Stewart. Tell me a little bit about yourself. What what kind of things were you interested in when you were younger? Um, well, let's see. Uh, I... I uh... <sighs> I got to get into like the mind space of this thing because I've been running around all morning and then I'm late and I'm like, ah, and then rushing down here to this room. What was I interested in when I was younger? Well, um, I had two older brothers. So one of my main goals in life was to keep up with them, but they weren't that interested. They were always like, you know, um, I was the little girl. So it was always like the boys went off and did their own thing. I tried as hard as I could to follow, keep up with them but had trouble doing that. Um, I get, my family is pretty animated and um, sort of, I remember uh, friends would come over to our house and, and there was always somebody singing at the top of their lungs in, in my house of the kids, not, not necessarily my parents. And, and they thought that was really strange. And I was like, that's perfectly normal in my house. So I was always surrounded by kind of this animated, lively, almost a performance-like 
singing and just, you know, always the conversations at the dinner table were very animated. And um, I, you know, my dad, I come from a very academic family, but I watched a lecture of my dad's one time and I'm like, I see where I get it from (laughs) because he was a a big performer when he was, uh, you know, lecturing. And uh, so, uh, and I used to love as a, as a kid, like, if I was alone in the house after school, just putting on a record when there were just, just records at that yeah. time. And I memorized every song on the album and would sing it at the top of my lungs. You know, um, I remember when I was really young on Sundays, we would always have a Sunday brunch and um, like every, every Sunday um, my mother would make pancakes or waffles or some or French toast or something like that. And it would always be like around 10 or 11. And my dad would put music on in the living room when we could hear it as we were eating. And one day he put on the Beatles and we were just like, what, what the heck? <laughs> because up to that time it was folk music and, you know, yeah. burl lives and um, things that but like of that nature or classical music. And all of a sudden, uh, rubber soul was playing and so that was my sort of introduction into rock and roll it was yeah. pretty harmless soft rock and roll but oh boy i got my hands on that record and <laughs> and literally memorized every song on that and of course from there i became a huge beatles fan so music was always a huge part of my life um art my dad is an incredible artist um my mother i you know like i said i came from this academic background and um I my brothers were both honor students and all this other stuff and I was literally like yeah I hate school (laughs) (laughs) and uh I like to think it's because I was bored I was so smart that I was bored (laughs) that's debatable um but my mother kept introducing me to new things like when I was very young ballet which I hated because it was too regimented and I found it so boring and then um gymnastics and at one point she had me taking an art class with um you know oil painting and and I I enjoyed it It was okay but but uh I really found my niche when I was about 14 my mother kind of tricked me into going to this uh dance class this jazz dance class that um was opening up in my hometown and um I was so mad at her I was like I hate dance. I did the ballet thing. Uh, and somehow she got me to go. And I said, well, I'll do one class, but then I'm never going to do it again. <laughs> and I get into this class and I just, it just felt like home to me. And, and also it helped that, that the uh, dance teacher was very super cool. And she, she played all this really funky seventies, very hit music. Um, so it made it much more appealing, but I, I just felt like, yes, this what, is what I what want. What kind of dance so, was it? What kind of dance was it? It was jazz dance, sort of oh. modern jazz. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that became my passion for until I graduated from high school. And then I decided to pursue it. And I ended up in London um, at a, a performing arts school uh where dance was sort of the prevalent thing but um we also took acting classes and singing classes and every kind of performing arts classes you can think of um so you know kind of unintentionally i sort of created this 
wonderful foundation for myself, <laughs> which served me well, you know, later on. So, it, and that's when you kind of chose, I guess, acting over your first love of, of dance. Is that right? Well, the, yes, but that was by chance because I was in London and um, the the person who ran the dance school that I went to for all those years, who also created a, a dance company called Synergy and we we toured throughout Canada and throughout Europe and the Middle East. We were a professional dance company. Um, she, when I, she knew I was going off to London, she said, you know, uh, just take advantage of every situation that you can, if any auditions come up or anything like that. So I found out about this uh, dance audition for a movie. It was a rock musical. I thought I'll, I'll just go to this audition because I've never been to one of these kind of cattle call auditions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went along to that and, the the director kind of pulled me out of the group and asked me if I could act. And I said, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to say, I'm sorry, no. <laughs> so he had me read for the lead role of this movie and I ended up getting it. So that was kind of my bizarro transition into acting. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha! Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! Full of exclusive loot, fun surprises, and delivered to your door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy! <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Browsers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. And I did this movie and, um, um, you know, really sort of what served me well was, was I didn't have this dramatic intention and need to become some actress. I was like, this is cool. I'm going to go with this flow now. And much to my surprise, you know, getting a lead role in a feature film gives you a lot of cred. And um, it's kind of snowballed from there. I, uh, and I eventually ended up in LA. And uh, that's when I started really taking it seriously. Yeah. Um, I thought, okay, this is something I'm really going to go for. Wow. I mean, look at you. Just that right, isn't that weird? Right, right place, right time. Right. I know. I mean, that's part of this business, though. You know, it's like being in the right place at the right time. So much luck involved. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it, it, it's tough that way because it's great to have incredible talent, but there's so much more. And especially nowadays, it's really um, such a personal business. You know, there's so much you can do on your own with the internet and, and, and all that other stuff. Absolutely. And you really need to get involved in that end of things. Yeah. But for me, getting into the business, it was just a whole lot of luck. And, <laughs> and being in a place where I was, I was kind of allowing that the situation to unfold. 
you know, some people might have been too nervous or whatever. I was young, I was naive, and I was like, cool, I'll do that now. So <laughs> I was lucky. I was lucky that way. I was going through your IMDb earlier, and I saw you're on Nighthawks with Sylvester Stallone in 1981. So that would have been like That's super cool. early in your career then. It was. It was after I'd done the first movie I did was called The Apple. And um, I w from The Apple, it was around Christmas time. So I went home for Christmas. I ended up doing another movie in Canada while I was home locally, like in Edmonton. A friend of mine was a casting director, a local casting director. And she cast me in this movie um, called Powderheads, which was a ski comedy, pretty weird movie. Um, <laughs> But then I, I went back to, to London because I kind of acquired an agent there, a theatrical agent. And, and I also wanted to go back to dance and see what would happen. You know, just I want, I'd sort of established myself in London, put it that way. So I went back to London and I had this audition with Sylvester Stallone. Wow. Uh, at that point, it was of Rocky fame. And there was a, a few girls who were all sort of <laughs> standing there going, oh, my God. <laughs> Anyway, I ended up getting this little role in Nighthawks. I think it's fairly early on in, in the movie. Um, it's, it's in London. I play this um, sort of perfume sales girl in this department store. And Rutger Hauer comes up and sort of is kind of very seductively asking me about perfumes as he's shoving a bomb under my counter. And so uh, it's a small role. I, I die early, <laughs> but because I'm, but it, get, it it makes him look so evil because I'm so young and innocent. And oh my gosh, Rutger Hauer scared the crap out of me <laughs> because, you know, I was new in this acting thing and I was like, this man really hates me and I'm scared of him. <laughs> Because he stayed in character. So he's a method and, actor then, okay. Uh, I guess I I I didn't say three words to him except the dialogue because uh. he scared the crap out of me. And also <laughs> he wasn't like, so my name's Rutger. You know, yeah, it was yeah. just like he came in, he did his role, and then he left. And I was just like, holy <laughs> shit, what was that? <laughs> I was so young and and now you, you know, and um, but uh yeah, it was it was an interesting experience. I had talked to Sly a little bit, you know. He was interesting, an interesting character, but it was fun. Yeah, that's awesome. And then I recently uh, rewatched your episode of Night Rider because oh, you did. Yeah, I did. How did you find that? It Where is, was that? It was on. It wasn't Hulu. <sighs> I just typed it on Roku TV. I just typed in Knight Rider and it oh, gave me all the options of to watch it. And one of them was a free way to watch it. I don't remember. I think it was just the NBC app and not Peacock, oh. but just NBC. Okay. Yeah. Well, every I haven't there. seen that. Yeah, it's forever. on there. It's on there. I can send you okay. a link. I've got I've to find that one. <laughs> send me the link. Yeah, Dude, send you, I'll send you the link. I believe well, that may have been my second job in LA. Wow. Um, the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first one was called, what was it called? You've got my IMDB up there. You have it was a show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that my character was named Daisy and it was yeah. Mr. Merlin, Mr. Merlin. I do. What was that? Daisy, was yeah, Mr. Merlin, Mr. Merlin, yep. Mr. Merlin, oh. which was a sh short lived series. And I remember going to getting cast in that going, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Cause it was also <laughs> my first television thing. I was, 
just scared out of my brain in that one. I was just so nervous because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and then Night Rider was probably the second thing I did. And that was more fun. Um, Hoff, like- you know, he David, David Hasselhoff was super super cute and super nice to me oh, that's awesome and it, everybody was super nice on that show it and was you, it was you got uh, to sit you're able to sit in kit i mean who can say they did that you know <laughs> i know i was um really well of course we all knew night rider by that time and that was really fun to see how they they figured all that stuff out and yeah that was that was probably one of the highlights of doing that show um, aside from David Hasselhoff, he was yeah. very cute. Yeah. <laughs> was was it a dummy car or was it a, a true car that you sat in or, or what was it? It was a real car. Yeah. So do I have to give away the secret? Because I can tell you how. It if, was oh, I would love to hear the secret. Man, I loved I loved Night Rider. <laughs> yeah, Night Rider was great. It, the drag is when you give away the secret, then you can watch for it every time. So I don't know if I should give that now. I, I want to I hear the secret. What do you give me? I'll give you the link to the episode. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my God. There's some blackmail going on here. And so what they do, so in the the driver's seat, it's a bucket seat, right? With a high back. And, and um, there's actually somebody sitting in the bucket seat. It's kind of wide. And, and they have sort of a, 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 you know, back of the headrest that they, they can see through it. So. They, could, they drive it that way somehow. Oh, oh, interesting. Okay. Isn't that cool? That is cool because I never quite understood how they did that. So, so thank That's you. That's how they I'll, did it. So it was, yeah, you, you will send me the I'll link. I'll send you the link. I'll send you the link. <laughs> that is really cool. So it really was a car. Yeah. And somebody really was, I mean, it really functioned and it did all the talking and the flashing and all that stuff. It was, it was fun. It was really wow. super fun to be in the show that I was very familiar with yeah. and, and um, yeah, Holly, very Hollywood, you know, for one of my very first shows there. Let's, let's talk about one of my favorites. Um, ever since, I, I don't know how old I was. I think I was six when I saw Night of the Comet. And uh, it was a favorite of mine to go to because it wasn't truly a horror movie. You know what I mean? It right. was fun. Mm-hmm. I was able to laugh at a lot of the scenes when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. I remember one time my dad and brother and I were camping and I was rushing them to get home because Night of the Comet was going to be on TV that night. And I wanted to watch mm. it. I was going to set the VCR cool. this time so I could record it so I can have it permanently. Nice. So that's nice. my little behind the scenes of the movie. I, I, I love Night of the Comet. So um, tell me about that. Was, was that just a basic audition for Night of the Comet? Well, night, I had done um, The Last Starfighter previous to night of the comet yeah they came out the so, same year. i was wondering how they were filmed which one was first yeah uh the last starfighter was first um yeah the last starfighter was like in the summer or yeah something like the summer and then night of the comet was close to christmas so um so again you know you build up your resume and i'd been on days of our lives for a while and so i had a little bit of cred by then and i believe that i was asked i wasn't asked in for like the first level of auditions, like with the casting director or something. I came in, I believe it's been a long, long time, but I don't remember having a first audition, but I'm being paired with uh, another actress and um, for my sister and, uh, and reading with her. And then Kelly Maroney was reading with another 
girl for the role of the big sister or Reg in this case. Um, and um, uh, when I was told that I got it, I, I thought, you know, I was going to be, um, I, I, I was asked to come to the studio. We, they were going to do a photo session uh, that, you know, there's photos of, of Kelly and I and, and dad and stuff like that. So they, they cast us and then they went to this photo session so that they could have it part of the props. And we showed up there and we sort of were like, oh, it's, you got the role. Okay. Uh, because we were cast, you know, we, I, when we auditioned, we were auditioning with people that were more our types. Okay. And so it was sort of weird that mm. we were cast together because she's very blonde and we don't really look like sisters, yeah. but, but I think it worked out. I mean, a lot of so. siblings don't look like their siblings. <laughs> no, so I'm, I'm six foot four. My brother's like five foot nine. So. Oh, you're kidding me. Wowie. <laughs> I heard the other actress, this could be totally wrong, was Heather Lingenkamp. Is that is that right from Nightmare on Elm Street? Um, that's what I have read as well. Okay. I, you know, I so didn't, I wrong. mean, I read. I mean, she would have been I young too. It would have been before Nightmare on Elm Street. So before she was well known. Right. I think that um, she got Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Elm Street around the same time. Okay. So it was like. She was up for this and that at the same time from what I've read. But at the time, I didn't know who she was. And, no. and honestly, I didn't know after the fact either until I read that that's who it was wow. somewhere. <laughs> and I, I, you know, she looks she looks like what I recall the actress looking like okay. that I so read it makes so, sense that it probably it probably was her. It probably was her. Yeah. I mean, she might remember. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's terrible a, that I'm like, I don't time. know. It's been a long yeah. time. <laughs> and like you said, she wasn't well known at that time. No. And then, you know, you go, you get busy and you go through your thing and you don't really think about the last audition or who you yeah. auditioned with and stuff. And like you that. probably, you probably see many audition rooms, you know, back then and many actresses waiting oh, yes. for the same role as you. So it's kind of blends together oh, over yes. time. Tell me about the production of it. Um, how in the world did they make LA look so empty? <laughs> well, um, downtown LA on weekends and early mornings used to be back in the eighties empty. That's now weird. it's it's just it's crazy the construction that's going on yeah. down there for a giant apartment buildings. I mean, it's starting to look like New York, you know, downtown. But at the time, it was office buildings, banks, a couple of hotels. So people would sort of come in for business meetings and then leave. There wasn't a, a lot of residential stuff at all. Very, very, very little, maybe on the periphery. And however, sadly, there was a fairly large homeless community there, which it still exists, but they're trying to like build up downtown LA. It's it, sort it. of mirroring New York in a way. Um, my husband and I were, my husband's a diehard New Yorker. And, and I thought, well, and he doesn't like LA very much. I thought, well, let's look at apartments in downtown. Maybe he'll feel more at home, but it's still in the very early stages. And it's like these little kind of islands of residential mm. skyscrapers, you know, and then a block away is just not a great area. Yep. Um, but at that time, 
And we shot very early in the morning, like Christmas morning or the morning after Christmas or something like that in downtown LA. And it was empty. We didn't have, you know, the budget for like police to stop traffic or anything like that. And apparently a little piece of trivia there in one of the scenes where I'm on the motorcycle, you see a car kind of pull into an intersection in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, I've actually never been able to spot it. I kind of look for it every once in a while, but um, because, you know, there was one person driving downtown LA, but even the very last scene in the middle of the street and the, you know, DMK pulls up and all that other stuff. It was empty. It was just completely so empty. Weird. That is so odd. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I guess you I could never, went never to- ever do that again. No, I never went to LA until I was probably in my 20s. So I guess I never saw it in that decade to see how mm. empty it was in the morning. Because now, like you said, you go there at four o'clock in the morning and there's traffic and, and, and uh, construction and everything. Mm, it's crazy now. Yeah. LA is a different place than it was in the eighties. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> now speaking of, <laughs> speaking of the motorcycle, was that you driving the motorcycle or did you have a stunt double on the motorcycle? Well, I was riding the motorcycle on the back of a trailer at oh. one point. <laughs> well, that counts. That counts. You're still balancing yourself. <laughs> I was sitting on it. No, I, I, um, I did not know how to ride a motorcycle and motorcycles are very heavy and yeah. I, you really need to know, you need to train or whatever. So yes, I, the, the motorcycle, except for the part where it's close up of me and it's kind of looking up at me, driving around and looking around going, what the heck? (laughs) Um, That was, that was on the back of a a flatbed trailer. Um, But all, all the other stuff was in person. Because it was very convincing. I must say your, your stunt double, at least from a distance, you know, looked like you. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, she was great. I, I don't remember her name either, but uh, no, she was wonderful. And she was like, you ever need a stunt person? I'm here. So had I been in a position or done more movies where I did lots and lots of stunts, uh, yeah. I definitely would have suggested her as a double. Sure. Yeah. And uh, what about the uh, girls who just want to have fun scene? I'm assuming that was in a mm-hmm. mall late at night or something. Yes. So um it's a, it used to be a, a very popular mall in Sherman Oaks. It was called Sherman Oaks Galleria. Um, and they used it for other films as well, but they would shut it down for the night. And uh, well, of course they shut it down for the night. Whenever it closed, we yeah. would come in and um, um, it was, it was, the, it, I don't know which store it was exactly. I forget, but yeah, we set it all up. We shot everything in one night and got in and got out. Um, but they used it. They used it for several things, like Valley Girl, famously, and uh, I don't know, maybe Kelly's movie. Uh, that uh, what was it called? That robot movie that she did. Um, it, it, so it's been used, uh, yeah, a lot. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking it's not. Up. It's not. Mm-hmm. I'm looking it up right now. It says Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Valley Girl, okay. Night of the Com- Commando, mm-hmm. Back to the Future Part Two, Terminator Two. I knew that one. Um, Phantom of the Mall. Never heard of that one. Yeah, it was used a good amount of times. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, but it's not there anymore. They oh, they man. sort of. It was an office building for a while, I think, and then and now it's just been completely redone, and it's a mall again, but it's kind of outdoor. It's it's just a completely different place. Oh man. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can't go back and reminisce I, there anymore. I'm afraid. 
I, I miss the 80s though. You know, I miss those malls and all the things of the 80s, you know? Yeah. Malls can't even exist anymore. No, you know, ours, with all the online shopping. Yeah, ours, we, I live in Montana and um, mm-hmm. ours has been doing pretty well up until COVID. And now they're, they're mm. filing for bankruptcy right now. So. Mm. Yeah, it's too bad. It yeah. is. There was something sort of fun about going to the mall, but oh, well, hopefully kids are finding new and inventive things to do with their, their no. free time. I don't, I don't think they are, though. <laughs> <laughs> they're sitting at home on their little games doing I I all got, that stuff. Whatever. I got three girls and I got two teenagers and that's what they do. And I like, try to get them out and it's like pulling teeth to get them outside. I raised a couple of kids kind of on the periphery, just before all that stuff really, really set in. And I'm so glad. I mean, my son did have one of those games. Um, honestly, I, I don't even remember what they're called. I mean, but we never got really heavily, heavily into it. Thank goodness. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it, it's tough. I think it's tough for parents nowadays yeah. to try to keep the kids active and outdoors and and you know keeping their minds i i think there's something um in a way beneficial about doing these playing these games you know in some some way it exercises their their brain but but yeah it's good to have a a balanced kind of yeah yeah it's funny when i was when i was rewatching out of the comment there's that scene where you guys go outside and and you, you look at sam's like where's the kids playing there's no kids playing it's saturday morning i'm thinking nowadays it looks like that now you know no kids are Mm. playing anymore yeah you know i think it's a combination of not only the just being on the internet but also i think a lot of parents have a real fear of letting their kids just run around i do you know i agree with that yeah Yeah. we grew up in reno nevada as kids and we just Mm -hmm. ran around the city and on our bikes you know just like on et or something you know just on our bikes riding around reno around the casinos yeah, it's a whole different thing nowadays. Um, me too. I, I remember, well, I was a little bit older, but I guess in high school, but I would stay out all night and come. I remember one of the greatest feelings somehow. And I, I was a good kid. So my parents somehow trusted me. I don't know why, but I'd be all out all night long in the summer after high school or something or in between grade 11 and 12. And you know, running home as the sun was rising, I, I just felt, I loved that feeling. It was just yeah. like this feeling of, oh, oh. and yeah. Um, yeah, but kids don't do that anymore, I don't think. No. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't let my kids do that nowadays, you know, back mm-hmm. then maybe, but no, I, I was the same way. You know, I was a good kid and I don't think I drank until I was like 19 or 20, you know, so I did the same thing as you to stayed out late night with friends and came home whenever I really wanted and my parents never really questioned it. So it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I was younger, of course, it was like, you know, you have to be home by 11. And if I wasn't, my mother was super strict. It was like, if you're five past 11, she'd be like, give you hell. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but um, yeah, it's, it's too bad. I feel like all of us were so, there's so much, this news cycle that's constantly going on. And, and every single thing that happens in the country is just blasted at you constantly yeah. it really creates a sense of fear 100%, which is yeah. a shame i'm yeah. i really try to encourage my family my kids you can't live in fear you know exactly did i freeze what's that i i, I said did i freeze i my internet is your, bad your audio sound the the video's lagging but the audio has been audio has been great so that's that's perfectly fine okay <laughs> 
I apologize for that. It's it's just it's this place. It's I'm on the outer banks of North Carolina, and the, the internet is not very good here. <laughs> no, no, it's all right. At least the audio is working great, so I don't mind that whatsoever. Let's let's talk a little bit about um, last talk. Okay, now, you said you filmed that before Night of the Comet. Um, was that a basic audition for Last Starfighter? Yes, that was more basic. Um, at the time, I was doing Days of Our Lives, so but but I was auditioning for other stuff as well, you know, as I was doing Days of Our Lives, and I got this at, while I was still on that show. Um, yeah, I, I it was just a regular audition, you know, and then um, had a call back, and I remember um, I was paired with Lance, um, and you know everybody from that era, you know, all the really. Um, well-known kids, the Brat Pack or whatever audition for it, I think as well. Oh, yeah. uh, but I was, I was uh, paired with Lance and we were both relatively unknown. I think he'd done Halloween. I think it's Halloween too. Yeah. Before, I think that's about it. Yeah. Um, one of the Halloweens. So, you know, he was, he, he, he was great. He, he was like very, he's a very, very serious, you know, actor who wanted to be very prepared all the time and for every moment i'm i'm a little more a free-for-all mm -hmm. <laughs> i was just like woohoo <laughs> but we sort of he and i when we were paired together we sort of sat and talked about the characters a little bit and then we went in and auditioned and there was um you know a, 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 i remember at one time at one point they said okay well just like pretend you're at the lake and you're just lying there, you know, talking to your boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, so we sort of made it up as we went along, lying on the floor with the director and the producers in this little room. Um, so, but we had a really good chemistry, I think. And I also feel like they were interested in hiring kids that weren't as well known, you know? So the expectation, I don't know. I don't know what the mentality, maybe we were cheaper, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I think it was um, really great casting. I mean, Lance and I are still very good friends today. We have Aww. such wonderful memories of that show. Uh, of course, Lance had a lot more to do in it than I did. So he has some great stories. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, like with, with work, uh, working with Robert Preston, et cetera. Oh, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, it was just a lovely experience, you know, Nick Castle was wonderful. I mean, it really did, as cliche as this sounds, it really did feel like a labor of love. Yeah. And we all really liked each other. And it just was a nice, it was just a really nice movie to be a part of. And I remember seeing it after the fact thinking, I, I, I could actually sort of remove myself from the character and sit and enjoy the movie, which is unusual. That would be um, in it, yeah. So that was, that was nice. I heard that initially it was going to be in the suburbs instead of the uh, RV park that it was in. Is that right? Apparently, I've heard that too. I don't know. The, the script that I got was in the trailer park. Um, I think they wanted to... Uh, make it a little bit different from like other movies of that time that did take place in suburbia, yeah, you know, and they like wanted, yeah, exactly. They wanted to just have something a little bit different. So it couldn't be just automatically compared to something yeah. like that. Um, and I think it was a great choice because I mean, it just, 
it makes uh, the characters a little more humble, you know, a little more bare bones um, and maybe even uh, more relatable in a way, yep. you know? Yep. Yeah. I love the setting of it. And it's just a cool look how each, how there's different like RVs on different layers of the hills, you know, is it really cool looking? Yeah. I mean, that was a real RV park or, okay. you know, motor, what do you, yeah, I guess RV, RV park motorhome. Or, yeah. Or, I don't know. Yeah. Yes. But it was a real one, but they dressed it up quite a bit. I, I kind of got a kick out of, they sort of made it a little more cartoony and very, very colorful, very colorful palettes and real characters, you know, in the trailer park, trailer park. That's what I'm trying trailer to think park. of yep. in the trailer park. Um, but I, I, yeah, they did a great job, I thought. And then, you know, Starlight, Starbright, that, that place on the top of the hill there still exists, apparently. Somebody oh, just man. sent me a picture of that recently. Wow. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, I think they did a really, really good job with the production design of that place. Yeah. I think so, too. I think it kind of, mm. to me, this, it stands out more than the space scenes, honestly, as a, at least as a kid watching it. I just liked the, the aesthetic look of the uh, trailer park. Right. Uh, yeah, me too. I thought it was great. And it was completely different from the outer space thing. And I think they probably wanted that contrast, mm. of course. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I thought it looked great. Yeah. At Nick Castle, the director, did you know going into it that he was Michael Myers? Is that something that was kind of known back then? Not to me. <laughs> I don't know if other people knew of it, but I have to say that genre of film wasn't really my cup yeah. of tea anyway. So even if he had said that, I would be like, okay, I don't know what that means. But I it remember, cracks me up. I remember hearing Nick Castle, you know, was, was the shape on Halloween. And now he's a director. It's like, what? The shape is a, is yeah. a director now? <laughs> right, 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 right. It, I guess he got that role sort of um, by chance. Uh, he was working on the film and they said they needed that person. Right. So I think so too. This mask on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he did it, but it cracks me up at conventions. He's so popular yeah. because of that. And, and I keep saying to him, you know, we'll have a table together with uh, Lance and I'll say, this could be anybody. I could be say I was the shape for goodness sakes. He laughs. He's very, he's very cool and laid back. And, That's good. Um, and he goes to these conventions, man, and, and they love him because he was the first one. Yeah, and first one. he hasn't been doing conventions for very long, so he gets crowds of people. Oh, man. Speaking of conventions, are you planning on doing any um, coming up soon now that the uh, country is opening up? I, I don't have I'm not slated for any live ones coming up. I am doing something called Iconicon. Um, in mid July, okay. which is online. Okay. So look for that. Uh, I'm doing one with Kelly and then I'm doing one a couple of days later. It's the weekend of, I don't know, it's mid July, like the 13th or something like that. Okay. Um, uh, so Friday, I think it's Kelly and Sunday it's Lance. Oh. So doing two, two online convention days, but in terms of live conventions, uh, I don't have any plans yet to do one of those now. Well, hopefully soon when things get safer for you, you can get yeah. out there and uh, meet the fans. I know. Uh, and that's one of the great things about these conventions is uh, is getting to meet some of the people that really enjoyed your movies, you know, and, and it means so much. I mean, that's why we do them after all. Exactly. And I do have a couple weekend at Bernie's questions. I don't want to be much longer, so we'll go through them kind of quickly. Um, okay. 
I gotta say Terry who played Bernie ever since I first watched it when I was like a teenager, I guess, um, amazed with how well he played dead. Like I can watch oh, the movie yeah. now and I'm trying to catch him breathing or something moving, but he doesn't budge at all. No. Yeah. I have a funny story about that. Actually. Uh, the day that they shot um, him, you know, being killed, <laughs> you know, he's sitting at his desk and, and then the boys come and discover the body, right? They think he's asleep and um, they discover him. That was a lot of the shots with Bernie or a dummy or whatever, you know, where it has to be, where yeah. it would be impossible to be alive doing those scenes. But this one, it, it was just him and he's sitting there, you know, slouched over. And um, Ted Kotcheff, the director, you know, they, I was, uh, for some reason I was there, maybe it was, we were doing all the interiors of the house or whatever. And um, I was watching them shoot this scene and, and they finished, you know, and Ted Kotcheff didn't say cut. He, he just cut, he went like this very quietly. <laughs> and poor Terry was sitting there, you know, and, it was, it, it, they just were watching and waiting for him to like, <laughs> which eventually he did. It was kind of cruel, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> awesome. I, don't, I don't think they did that again. But yeah. I, and that may have been the first scene where he was at, that they shot where he was actually dead. So they were wow. kind of being hard on him. <laughs> yeah, but, he, uh, he was amazing. He is the standout role of the movie, honestly. Which is amazing because he's dead, dead throughout the yeah, movie. Yeah. What a what a, a sign of a good actor. I mean, truly, you have you have to uh, create a character that's dead that people want to look at. It, okay. it, you can't just be like that. You know, you no. can't just be dead. No. And and he did. He created something just in that weird little facial expression when the eyebrow was up or whatever <laughs> it was he did made you not want to take your eyes off him yep, exactly um which is quite a commentary to uh to his talent yeah um i just watched him i mean he's such a talented actor anyway i'm i'm going to be involved with a little um film that has something to do with friday the 13th oh. uh, it's not a part of the the official thing okay. or anything but it's just it's just a short that friend is doing um, but I just watched um, Friday the 13th, part seven. Yeah, that's right. He's the uh, psychiatrist or something, right? Yes. And he is so wonderful. I mean, <laughs> just the details and the mannerisms and oh. the expressions and everything that he does um, and what he brings to the character is just wonderful and um, very entertaining. He's such a talented actor yeah, and yeah. a lovely guy, too, by the way. Oh, that's awesome. But now that I'm an adult and I'm watching Weekend the Bernies, all I can think of is when should rigor mortis, you know, set in? Could he be <laughs> stiff by now after like two days of, of, of being dead? <laughs> Especially if there's a second movie. Shouldn't he be a little stiff by the second movie? <laughs> hey, and in the second movie, he's dancing all over the place, isn't he? Yeah, you would think. You would think. But oh, I don't it's, know. It's I don't guess it's. Uh, yeah, it's. uh. I guess they could, it's like a theatrical choice. You yeah, know, they exactly. Can, they can do whatever they want. So what keeps you busy these days? Anything coming up? I have been very busy, actually. I mean, I, with the pandemic, it gave me a chance to really focus on um, this script that I've been working on with a writing partner and a producer. Um, we've been really working hard on rewrites and whatnot, and it's been optioned by a production company in Canada. Nice. 
So uh, w- w- that's been really occupying my downtime, which is great. Also, I I want to kind of get into directing more and and that the, the other side of the camera stuff. Um, so I've been uh, they gave me an opportunity to really focus on that. Uh, I've got a play also that I'm I'm going to direct that I've been working on. Um, uh, so yeah, it's that kind of stuff that I've been I've been doing most re- most recently. But now that things are starting to open up again, I feel like I'm auditioning all the time. Oh. I mean, it's yeah, it's great. People yeah. have I guess just sort of this backlog of of uh, yeah. projects that yeah. they're they're trying to get get out there. So I've been auditioning for a lot of stuff for on camera. Um, and working on this uh, personal project of mine. So I've been keeping very, very busy. And of course, podcasts have become super popular as yep. well. So I've been doing quite a few po- podcasts. And thank you uh, for that. I mean, well, yeah, thank you for asking me. A Night of the Comet and uh, The Last Starfighter and Weekend of Bernie's are, you know, they're these retro movies that have a new life of their own. It's amazing. Um and also, there's a lot of talk about, you know, doing a sequel for The Last Starfighter. Ooh, a sequel. That they, not, not a reboot? Yeah. Right. Oh, there, was a ta- there was talk about doing a reboot, I've but now that. it's, yeah, it's more a sequel, which is better because mm-hmm. uh, Jonathan Betchel, the original writer, is involved. Oh, nice. um, I think I think Nick Castle is involved to a certain degree. And there's talk that Lance and I are going to come back as the parents of the next last starfighter. I, I haven't seen a script or anything, but um, even Nick has spoken publicly about it. So it's a real thing. I know it's very, very exciting. Well, all right. Thank you. I want to thank you so much. Big, huge fan of your work. This has been a pleasure and honor and hopefully I can run into you someday at a convention. Yes, that would be great. I would love that. Um, yeah, we'll see. I don't like I said, I have nothing on the books at the moment, but um, I'm sure something will happen in the next little while. Who knows? Yeah, but we'll see. But um, I look forward to meeting you. Same here. Thank you so much for your time. This has been really fun. Thanks for listening to Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks.